0: community cats podcast. Ready? Let's go.
1: Welcome to the community cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Mary Smith and Sheila Darpino. Mary is on the executive leadership team at Maddie's Fund, and Sheila is the director of research. Maddie's Fund is a family foundation created in 1994 by Workday co-founder David Duffield and his wife, Cheryl, who have endowed the foundation with more than $300 million. Since then, the foundation has awarded more than $187.8 million in grants toward increasing community life-saving, shelter medicine education, and pet adoptions across the United States. Maddie's Fund is the primary sponsor of the Million Cat Challenge and shares educational material which support community cat initiatives. Mary and Sheila, I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. We're excited to be here. I'm excited. This is one of the few times I get to have two people on the show at once, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun to... bounce back and forth between both of you and find out all of the goings on at Maddie's Fund. So this is just really wonderful. But I first wanted to touch base with Mary and then maybe Sheila and find out how you got started in animal welfare and uh, your interest in community cats.
2: Thanks so much for having us here today. I actually got started in animal welfare uh, because I answered an ad for the San Francisco SPCA who was looking for a grant writer. And this was back in 1991. So advertising in a newspaper <laughs> was actually the uh, way you went about finding jobs, which is just seems so old school <laughs> these days. And um, the San Francisco SPCA was looking for somebody who could do research and write. And I had just gotten my degree from uh, UC Berkeley. I was a re entry student and I thought this could be a really great job. I had seen an article a few years earlier about Rich Avanzino and the great work he was doing in San Francisco. I thought he had a really cool job, and it was a neat opportunity to be able to work there and be part of the magic that was so much the legacy of San Francisco in those days, in the 90s. So it was a lot of fun.
1: And Sheila, tell me a little bit about your background.
0: I was a pretty typical animal crazy kid, and I first got involved with animal welfare uh, when I was a teenager, and I volunteered at the San Francisco SPCA in with their dog department. And over the years, I went to veterinary school and became a veterinarian, and that's where my interest in animal welfare really strongly increased, and I ended up Working for Pets Unlimited in San Francisco, that was a combined animal shelter and veterinary hospital, and then going on to do a specialty training program in shelter medicine and behavior that was funded by Maddie's Fund.
1: You both have incredible careers, and I'm just looking back here. In my mind, it seems like Maddie's Fund is relatively new, but boy, Maddie's Fund was founded in 1994. I didn't remember that it went back that far, so that's 22 years And a lot has happened for Community Cats over the last 22 years, and Maddie's has been a leading role in that. Can you share with us some of the things that Maddie's Fund has done for Community Cats and maybe even share what the thoughts were in some of the successes, maybe some of the learning curve issues that Maddie's had over that time?
2: When we first started Maddie's Fund and the Duffield Family Foundation was, you know, as you said, started in 1994. When the Duffields hired Rich Evansino to be the president of the foundation, it went through sort of a reorganization, and from that, Maddie's Fund came about. And so at that time, we were interested in, I think, a lot of large-scale, what I'm going to call social engineering-type projects. That's when we started to undertake our big spay-neuter projects for pets of low-income caregivers. And then feral cats. And it's funny, when we look back now at those early discussions, and this was probably in 2000 to 2005 and six. the big discussions were about feral cats and what was really a feral cat. And how could you tell a feral cat from what we now know are community cats? So it's a much more limited, I think, discussion. And we did some big projects. We did a statewide project in California. We did one in Alabama. We started one in Texas. We did a lot of surgeries, I mean, hundreds of thousands of surgeries, but at that time we weren't doing anything about collecting data to be able to determine the impact. So while I think a lot of good was done at that point in time, we never had any mechanism in place to be able to determine long term impact. And, you know, I think as you know from looking back over, A lot of the information that we have on our website about Maddie's Fund, we've always been interested and supported data collection and reporting. But at that time, we were very early in our uh, messaging on that. And there's many, many more groups and organizations today that are doing that on a regular basis, not so much back then.
1: Yeah, the data collection grew up with technology to a certain extent. I mean, you were talking about having an ad in the paper for a job in the early 90s, and I would definitely say as we entered into the early 2000s where technology started to help us and made it easier in some cases to collect data, it became a lot more important um, with with many of the players. And I know some of the smaller groups – have said, oh, you know, collecting data is such a hardship. But I I do think we're now seeing the results of being able to measure those impacts with the targeted projects. And it's been very helpful to convince others that TNR is the way to go.
2: I think one of the lessons that we learned from the very large-scale spay-neuter projects was that we would probably see more of an impact if we, in fact, target it. Target it in terms of in some cases, neighborhoods within a community, in some cases it would be zip codes, but we really started to talk to organizations and ask them, what wasn't working so well in your community? Where did you find the intake? And it continues to be cats still make up the largest part of the populations going into shelters, and they certainly make up the largest part of populations that are not leaving shelters. How can we break that dynamic And Targeted Spay Neuter gave us a leg up on that process, and it also engaged organizations in being able to participate in solutions. In our early years, we did a lot to say, this is our idea. We want to support community collaborations. This is what the collaboration looks like. This is what you need to do. This is the outcomes we hope to receive. These days, we're much more interested in actually listening to what is going on in communities and having organizations talk to us about what they need and what solutions they think would work.
1: That's fascinating. You're basically turning the tables from sort of saying, here's our how-to book on how to do this, and tell me if I'm putting words into your mouth, but then now you're saying each community is unique and individual and may have different needs and maybe we can help in filling in those gaps.
2: I think that's spot on Stacy. And I also think too, you know, in the early years we had ideas about what could happen. You know, San Francisco definitely imprinted on us a strong sense of what can happen when you have the community and organizations working together. But a lot of what San Francisco did back then was San Francisco doing it in collaboration with the community. There weren't a lot of rescue groups in San Francisco at that point. It was the San Francisco Animal Care and Control, and and it was the San Francisco SPCA. Well, the landscape has changed so much over those 15 to 22 years, and we certainly don't profess to know everything that's going on. And so the value of being able to listen to what our partners are telling us is huge.
1: And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Community Cats podcast founder Stacy LeBaron doesn't just talk the talk, she walks the walk. Stacy is available to provide customized consulting for your group to help you increase your effectiveness and develop an action plan for improving the lives of cats in your community. Working with you, Stacy will develop a consulting plan that meets your needs, including visioning workshops for your staff, board, or volunteers. For more information, you can contact Stacy directly. Email Stacy at communitycatspodcast.com or visit our website and click on the education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. My understanding of when Maddie's was first founded, there was a lot of interest in promoting a no-kill ideology. How does that fit in with community cats
0: and how does that fit in with
1: Maddie's currently?
0: That fits in very clearly for us and that our goal is for every pet in the United States to have a healthy home or habitat. So we're not only thinking and talking about putting pets in homes. A habitat is a good healthy place for a pet to live if that's their preference in our opinion. So we feel very strongly that community cats are a essential Portion to meet our no-kill goals because it's enabling these cats to live in the way that they want to live so they can have happy lives.
2: And also too, Stacy, when we first started talking about the Million Cat Challenge, when that idea crossed our desk, we realized pretty quickly that that was going to be the key to being able to achieve a no-kill nation, that we needed a solution for cats. And that's what the Million Cat Challenge offered to us. And that it was going to be a key component of being able to, as Rich Avanzino has said, achieve no-kill now.
1: Can you define for me what specifically a no-kill nation is?
2: That's really evolved over time. And thank <laughs> you for giving us the chance to do that. You know, in the early days, we thought that no-kill meant being able to guarantee a loving home for healthy dogs and cats. And then we started to see that. Okay, healthy. That's a good one. That's a starting point. But what about treatables? What about sick and injured and poorly behaved animals? Shouldn't they also have that guarantee? And so then our definition became more broad. We talked about healthy and treatables. And then we saw it in terms of the shelter system. But now, actually, I think we're even pushing beyond that, Stacey, to really look and see who are the animals in our community? What kind of safety net do we have for them? right? So even starting to look beyond what goes on within the shelter. So for us, we still work on a healthy and treatable definition of no-kill. But I think more importantly, it's less about the label and it's more about what kind of resources should we be making available to help the pets and people in our community so that they in fact can have loving, healthy homes and habitats.
1: I believe we are almost at a point of going beyond that shelter metric orientation and moving into what clearly defines us as having a humane community for all of our animals in the community.
2: I I think we really agree with that. But we do like the term no-kill. I think the American people love that term. I think it's one that if you meet five people, you're going to get five different definitions of it. But that's okay. I like the term.
1: It's an ongoing discussion, I would say. I mean, uh, no kill in the mission statement for the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. We've had it in our mission statements since 1994. But that word, no kill, means something on a very local scale to us that maybe is a bit different than what other people may think of it at a different level. There's a lot of differing opinions about that language in the New England states, at least I can say that from my experience. It's a hard thing because you're trying to collaborate. And if somebody does have biases around one particular word, how important is that? Does that become an obstacle when you're really trying to collaborate? And I think that you have to sort of pick your battles carefully Mm -hmm. when you're trying to get everybody in the room.
0: Yeah, good point, because it it certainly is a very polarizing term. And for a while there, we talked about
2: adoption guarantee to describe organizations and communities that were, in fact, providing that type of guarantee for healthy and treatables.
1: Let's talk a bit about the Million Cat Challenge. Turn the tables here. Start looking at the present and the future for Maddie's Fund. Tell me what the Million Cat Challenge is. Um, We did have Kate Hurley on a previous episode, but if you can uh, share with our listeners specifically how it got started and what it is and why is it so important to Maddie's Fund?
0: The Million Cat Challenge is a wonderful initiative to help cats all over North America to get a group of people, a very large group of people together that can help community cats in shelters and the community at large sharing strategies, sharing what works, sharing what doesn't work, so that people can learn from the experts, uh, Julie Levy and Kate Hurley, at the Million Cat Challenge, as well as their peers, about how to help these cats. And there's five main ideas that the Million Cat Challenge works off of in terms of helping shelters and communities. And those are alternatives to intake, managed admission, capacity for care, removing adoption barriers, and return to field. And there's a whole lot of educational material that goes underneath these concepts that can help shelters and communities to help community cats. So when Kate and Julie came
2: to us a couple years ago with this idea that they had of being able to transform and revolutionize the outcomes for cats, we thought this was, as I said earlier, key to being able to achieve and sustain no-kill. So we love the idea, and we threw as many resources behind it as we could. We're really proud that at this point in time, over 600,000 cats have been saved. Their membership has grown to hundreds and hundreds of organizations. One of the things that we've done this year is we provided an incentive grant in the month of May. For any organization who signed up for Million Cat Challenge, we would pay them $1,000. We did the same thing for Shelter Animals Count in the month of April. And Stacey, (laughs) talk about no good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) We thought this was a great idea because we wanted people to use uh, Shelter Animals Count to collect and report their data. We have operated for decades without having any kind of national estimates of animals going in and out of shelters And we thought this organization, which is widely supported by many, many organizations in our movement, that this was the the right thing to do. So we offer these two incentive grants. We had no idea what the response was going to be. And between those two grant opportunities, we ended up on July 1 with 3,200 grant requests that needed to be processed. Oh, wow. (laughs) Maddie's Fund is a pretty small organization. It was one of those times when we realized, wow, we need to put a little bit more thought into our infrastructure (laughs) when we undertake some of these ideas. But we have a really great team. We brought on some additional help, and they are digging out from under. So anyone who's listening, if you haven't received your $1,000 check for shelter animals count or Million Cat Challenge, don't worry. The check is in the mail, (laughs) but anyway, it was a great opportunity for us to get organizations excited about collecting and reporting their data, and also about being part of the Million Cat Challenge. And both of those organizations, their memberships just grew exponentially overnight, and we were really glad to do that.
1: Yeah, that's it's a new twist for Maddie's. I don't remember anything like this happening in the past, and uh, I know that word spread fast around here in New England about the incentive grants and the referrals too. You had an option for referring. If somebody referred an organization, they even got a financial benefit, which was also hugely successful and appreciated. We had such a fun time that we went over and decided to make this a two-part interview. So tune in tomorrow to find out about Maddie's fund and what they are doing in the future.